It's a bit warm, is it? Yeah, it's a bit warm. It actually got warmer. Crikey. <laughs> Oh, Holy Spirit. Wow, whoops. <laughs> now we're good. You're good? Fantastic. Well, we'll see how things go by the end of the meeting. <laughs> you right, Sam? It's hot. Okay, it is. It is. It's good. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Wow. Well, what a day I've had. But that's been fun. You know, the Lord often takes us through seasons where he wants to stretch us. Hey, Sarah. Where we've gone through a season where he says... I'm not going to tell you anything, just trust me. Do you know what that's like? If you don't know what that's like, hang on to your seat. And he'll take you through seasons where he'll just say, it's offering time, whatever's in your wallet, so. Have you ever had that one? I had nine months of that. I got cheeky, I got to the point where I didn't take any money. And I had to take double the next time. And he brings us to a point where he says, isn't it great that you trust me? Now I'm going to just take you a little bit further and trust. In trust. So I've been working on a, I, I study anyway, that's not an issue, but I've been working on a word for tonight. Oh, and by this afternoon I had four. (laughs) I thought I had it sorted. And he said, I want you to listen to what I'm going to be saying tonight through the prophetic, through the worship, through whatever happens. And then I'll tell you which word you're to preach. Isn't that fun? Remember I said to you what I was going to preach? Well, I am going to preach that one. But you know, the most interesting thing about the season that we're living in, it's the most incredible time to be alive. In this age, in this day. I don't care how old you are. Young like me, perhaps. (laughs) But we're living in a, a time if we can call it a time, because God doesn't really, he's not interested in time that much. In a season where it's the most perilous time to be alive. (laughs) But it's the most exciting time to be alive. We're living in times when much is being said. We're living in times when much is even being prophesied where much fear is being generated. And we can look back over, and you mentioned it this morning, Brendan, um, look back over the last three years and the fear that was generated because of what was happening on an international scale. And you know the worst part is? It's the Christians that got caught up in it. And I'm going to get really bold tonight. They got caught up in it because they were living under the wrong. You're not going to say, are you? Oh, under the wrong kingdom rules. If you want a message for tonight, it's the kingdom that cannot be shaken. And I have heard... Wow, must be the right word. (laughs) The kingdom that you belong to and I belong to, if you name the name of Jesus, cannot be shaken. You might get shaken, but I'll explain why in a few moments because it's actually a good thing. But we're living in a time when 
the focus of Christians, and even through those three years, was focused on taking sides. Jab, no jab, three jabs, four jabs, how many jabs, no jabs. And all of that sort of junk, or fooey junk and rubbish, that John Steele used to say, that polarised the Christian community. But the one thing that I'm going to take out of it that's absolutely positive is that he was beginning to refocus us on his kingdom. <coughs> to refocus. If, if we're going to stay attached to the kingdom of this world, then we're going to be shaken to pieces. But the interesting thing about the kingdom of God is that when he starts to bring shaking, he's shaking together. Yeah. Think about the upper room. There they all were in separate parts of the room, all thinking different things. That's not what it says. They were all of one accord. There was nobody over here thinking about somebody over this side of the room and going, don't like the way they're dressed. <laughs> there was nobody over this side looking at someone here and saying, oh, is that his wife that he's with? There was none of that sort of junk. They were all in one accord. They were all praying in one accord. They were praying, Lord, your kingdom come. According to what Christ had told us, to wait in the upper room until the Holy Spirit came upon us. We're living in times when the focus of Christians is being taken away from the one we adore. And we can sing and we can, like we have tonight, and I'm not saying this happens in this church. It happens in the churches that Brendan was talking about this morning. <laughs> Elsewhere. Where you can spend time worshipping and singing and adoring him and loving him and doing all that sort of stuff. No, I'm not going to say that. That's just ridiculous. That just does not happen to you, does it? You don't get into trouble. You don't have an argument. You don't have difficulties at home. You don't have a crack at the guy in front of you because he's driving too slow. <laughs> but you know, we're also living in a time when we are in danger of losing the love that we have for the one that we adore. And that's scripture. Where the love is waxing cold. In Matthew 24 and verse 12, and this is the Passion Translation, there will be such an increase of the sin of lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. That's a sign of the times that we're living in. That's part of the perilous times that we're living in today that there is a distinct possibility that someone in this room could be numbered among those ones. But it's up to every single one of us to ensure that it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen to us, and it doesn't happen to those that we love, to those that we spend time with, those that we fellowship with, those that are considered to be the family of God for each and every one of us. And we need to be bold enough to be able to say, I didn't see you at church last week. I'm, not, I'm trying not to look at anybody in particular. <laughs> and say, is everything okay? It's not a judgment. It's care. It's wanting to make sure that those that we are connected with stay connected. It's times like these in the life of a nation when the voice of the Lord needs to be heard more than ever. I believe he has much to say to the church and to the nation. And as the prophetic people, we have little time in which to declare it. Time is ramping up very, very, very quickly. And the Lord is strengthening the arrow shafts and sharpening the arrowheads that will accomplish this work. Shona. Shakabarusumbrando. Rendu baramasa. You're not an arrow, you're an arrowhead. 
but the sharpness of your arrowhead, it's being honed to a, 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 a level beyond anything you've ever seen before. A level that we've never seen before. So as we begin to look at what God is actually doing through you in declaring the word of the Lord, not the voice of the Lord, that's a different thing, but the word of the Lord, you're going to start to see incredible breakthrough in people's lives. It's going to come with such accuracy and such sharpness that the very thing that it's aimed at, because that arrowhead is so honed, it's going to take that out without doing any other harm whatsoever. You understand what I'm saying? Shikarabasu. There is a whole lot of shaking going on. Right throughout the Christian world. You know, I've, I've listened to all sorts of people, prophets, whatever. And a lot of them are actually, and I'm not going to say that either. There is a shaking. <laughs> there is a shaking going on that's separating brother from brother. There is a shaking that's going on that's separating city from city. There is a shaking going on that's separating nation from nation. And we're beginning to see even in the, the Christian world, there are voices that are being heard that are causing division and separation. But the voice of the Lord is coming with arrows and arrowheads and it's going to start dealing a death blow to that separation and that division so that we once more will be one. But then we shouldn't really be surprised in the day and age that we're living in. We're also seeing that God is bringing a different kind of shaking throughout the world. Shaking that is causing Christians to stay prayed up and praised up like never before. And even in this house, what we're beginning to hear with monotonous regularity, if I can say that, no, not so monotonous, it's with regularity, is that praise is going to be the key for every single one of us to usher in the presence of God like never before. Whoa. God's shakings are intentional and they're purposeful. Oh, God's shaking me. No, he's not. You're allowing yourself to be shaken because he wants to bring some change into your life. Oh, the shaking from God is usually something unexpected that disrupts what's going on in your life. Oh, but I don't like change. I don't want to be disrupted. I'm very happy where I am. I'm comfortable. Wrong. Wrong thing to say. Isn't it though? Because he wants to take your comfort and your comfort zone and change it into a comforter zone. Where the Holy Spirit dwells, where the Holy Spirit rules, where the Holy Spirit's able to get hold of that fuel junk and rubbish deep down inside you and start to root that out through the voice of the prophets, through the voice of the, the pulpit that's going to bring change into your life. But the one thing you've got to learn is to say, yes. That's a simple word, isn't it? Do you have trouble saying that? Most of us have no trouble saying no. True? <laughs> I'll let you just dwell on that. What's the biblical word? Sila. Just think about that for a minute. But the one thing that I've discovered in my own life is that God shakes me when he's not the priority. When I've replaced him for a season with something else. He'll bring something along to shake me out of my complacency, to shake me out of my focus on something else. God shakes our physical human reality to get us back on spiritual point. In your life and in my life, when God wants to do something different, he will create what seems to be a contradictory crisis. Isn't that incredible? I never expected that, God. You never warned me that you were going to do something like that. I was quite happy the way we're tracking, thank you very much. You know, I go to church twice on Sundays. I go to home group, sorry, connect group. 
I, I, I pray and I study and I do all those things. And he says, that's not what I'm talking about. He says, what I'm talking about is what's going on here. What's going on in your heart? Now, I'm probably the only one, but I can sing and I can think of other things at the same time. Oh, I must be the only one that didn't even get a reaction. I might be the only one, but I can sing songs and think about something else at the same time. Do you think they heard me, Shona? Is that why there's silence? (laughs) When God has decided that we've become too comfortable, he shakes things up. Church, Hope Centre, Lower Hut, get ready for a shaking up. Oh, but I thought we were doing so well. We are, in our estimation, but it's not according to our estimation, it's according to his. And he wants to take us higher, wider, further than we've ever been before because he has a job for us to do. And it's much more important that we listen to what he says than what we think. Wouldn't that be true? I think so. Because usually most of what I've got to say is irrelevant. I know, it's terrible, isn't it? When it comes to what he wants to say, much more important that we hear his voice. Every Christian on the face of the earth is being called to live within and from a kingdom mindset. Our community should be able to see that the kingdom of God has arrived because they have seen that the people of God have arrived. Think about that just for a moment. Well, I got to go to work. And, oh, I don't really... Brendan tells me, I got to talk to people on the train. (laughs) I don't go on trains, Brendan. (laughs) Not because I don't want to talk to people, I just don't go on trains. Glinda likes trains. So we get to the point where, well, I, I, don't, I, I can go to work, but I think I'm the only Christian, you know, there. But the interesting thing is that it's not about you being a Christian or even the words that you say. It's because when you turn up, the kingdom turns up. Come on now, think about that just for a moment. What is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy what? In the Holy Spirit. So that means whenever, wherever you go, the Spirit of God turns up. So does righteousness. So does peace. Oh, um, but I don't really want to say very much, you know. You don't have to. You just have to believe that when you walk in the door, the kingdom walks in with you. Oh, There's a passage in Hebrews chapter 12 that speaks about the shaking of the heavens and the earth. And thank you, Shona, prophetess, woman. See to it that you, not ref- you do not refuse to listen to him who is speaking to you now. Now, there's a warning if I've ever heard one. See to it that you do not refuse to listen to him who is speaking to you now. For if those sons of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to him, who warned them on earth, revealing God's will, how much less will we escape if we turn our backs on him who warns us from heaven? His voice shook the earth at Mount Sinai. Then, but now he has given a promise saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the starry heaven. This is a promise. This is what we have to look forward to. Isn't that amazing? Now this expression, yet once more, indicates the removal and final transformation of all those things that can be shaken. That is, of that which has been created, 
So those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude and offer our God pleasing service and acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is indeed a consuming fire. So all of the fooey junk and rubbish that we want to hang on to is going to get consumed. So if that's the case, why do we put so much importance on that stuff when we want to remain? Because we're in Him. There is something chilling about the thought of shaking of the earth. In 2010, 2011, Glenda and I had the privilege of <coughs> living through the Christchurch earthquakes. Well, that was fun. So our house got damaged to the tune of about $35,000. And that was just cosmetic. But there were places within just a few hundred yards of us, metres if we want to be all PC about it, that were totally destroyed. Mostly the ones with concrete foundations, concrete slabs. Ours was an older house, so it survived. So we got a, a bit of an understanding about what it's like to be shaken. The first major earthquake was 4.35 in the morning. And um, it's not fun being tossed out of bed. The next one was just after lunch, about uh, just before one o'clock, I think it was. And I was working in my office on my computer and I was actually on a, a call to Australia. And the person who was on the other end of the, wasn't Zoom in those days, it was, huh? Yes, that's it, Skype, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Stan, that's good. <laughs> Uh, just screamed because all around me my books were falling off shelves, the computer was going side to side like this and um, I got a call from Glinda who was teaching just down the road and the whole school was out on the playground and there's these geysers, geezers of liquefaction just coming up through the playground and it was just, it was a mess, it was really quite something. So that, that was sort of an indication of when things get shaken, things really get shaken. And those things that can't stand, won't stand. 54 churches destroyed in the Christchurch area. Huge. Huge. And the Bible speaks of a time as we near the time of the end when there will be a physical shaking of the earth. And it's not fun. So we need to be firmly planted in the kingdom of God. In the book of Revelation, a key event described repeatedly throughout the book of Images and Visions is a great earthquake so tremendous that the very foundations of the earth are shaken and every mountain and hill is removed from its place. Imagine that. The hills on this side with Belmont and all those expensive places up there. And the eastern hills that aren't quite so expensive. But they actually get removed and flattened so that the whole of the valley gets filled with the hills. Just think about that for a moment. Because that's the sort of thing it's talking about. It's talking about all the hills will be made low. Whoa. But when the writer of the passage in Hebrews 12 speaks of God shaking in the heavens and the earth, it's a different kind of shaking. This is what we need to look at. We can look at natural shaking and we can see that that will be happening. But he reminds the readers that once God shook the earth when he spoke from Mount Sinai in the giving of the law, this was a time when the law coming to man shook the nations of the world and shook their very foundations. And all these nations of the world right now that are trying to be the top dog, they're trying to take over other nations, they're trying to do all these amazing things and killing people left, right and centre. Oh, 
but their very foundations are going to get shaken like never before. Now it's true that when God spoke from the mountain, the mountain itself shook and trembled, billowing smoke and fire. The people were amazed and trembled with great fear when they saw this entire mountain shaking as a symbol of the effect of the law coming to men and nations throughout history. Now the writer in Hebrews is quoting from the prophet Haggai, reminding them that there would come another shaking. In Hebrews 12 and 26 that we quoted, at that time his voice, his voice shook the earth. But now, as he promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. If we look back to the prophecy from which this was taken, we find that Haggai was looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, his second coming. And this is where we go right back to the beginning of my message, where it says we are living in the most incredible time, but the most perilous time. This is the time, he says, when God will shake not only the earth, but the heavens as well. This will be a shaking that none of us will escape. Not one of us. The warning of this passage is, do not refuse him who is speaking, for there is no way to avoid the shaking that is to come. And in a sense, this is our final warning. The verses in Hebrews 12 present us with a challenge of encouraging true believers to stand firm in their faith and a warning to those who struggle to remain committed. And that's why I said we need to be committed to one another. That there isn't one of us that misses the boat, if you like, because someone failed to check on them, to see where they were at, to ask how they're getting on in their relationship with the Lord. <coughs> Thank you for doing that marriage thing because it's a, a check up from the neck up to eliminate stinking thinking. That's really what it is. That there are things that we need to be responsible for, for other people, for those around about us, for those, if we're brothers and sisters in Christ, of course that's important. But our God is a consuming fire. See, what we're really hearing now is a gospel warning label. There are many labels in society that are quite humorous. Here's a couple. Do not hold the wrong end of a chainsaw. <clears throat> Do not iron while wearing shirt. <clears throat> Shin pads cannot protect any part of the body they do not cover. <laughs> These are actually real labels. Remove plastic before eating. Amazing, isn't it? I'm not going to even guess what country they come from, but however. But the warning that we've been given in Hebrews 12 is far from corny. In Hebrews 12, I'm going to speak it again. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. We don't have the time or the luxury not to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? When God speaks, we do well to listen to what he is saying. But the next step, Tim, see, we can hear, but are we actually listening? Or we can listen, but are we actually hearing? If we listen... The next step is that we have to be obedient to what he says. He's looking for a body of people who will obey what he wants. If we want to get through this time that we're living in, then we need to be obedient to what he's saying. Now this is undoubtedly a reference back to the wilderness generation who heard God's warning at Sinai to keep his commandments, but they rebelled. Oh, we'd never think of doing anything like that whatsoever, would we? Any of us? One of us? None? Rebellious. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. My goodness me. But there is a whole lot of shaking going on. I'm just going to ask some questions. 
Are you worshipping the unshakable God or are you worshipping shakable possessions? Is your heart fixed on God? Now, I'm not talking about when you come to church because I would expect it is. But when you go back out through those doors and you go home, is your heart still fixed on God? There may have been something that has come up in the worship or something that's been spoken through a message or through the voice of the prophet or somebody in the house has just dropped something into your spirit and you go, ooh, wow, amazing. I never thought about it that way. So when you go out through those doors, you're actually taking the revelation of who he is with you. Or do we just forget it? Is God your treasure? Or is that something else? Is God your security? Or is something else your security? Is God your fellowship? Is your family the sum total of your fellowship? How much of this life can you put down to being God as your portion? Do you stand with reverence and awe before the power and the holiness of God who is a consuming fire toward all sin? And do you clothe yourself with the righteousness of Jesus Christ so that the fire of God can be seen from within as glory and not as punishment? See, the fire of God is not punishment. Our God is a consuming fire. But what is he consuming? He's consuming everything that's not related to the glory of God to be seen through you. Because this glory will be seen over the whole face of the earth as the waters cover the... You know the story. But who is the glory? Where is the glory? It's in you and it's in me. But it's got to be seen and not covered up by fooey junk and rubbish. And he wants to extremely deal a death blow to everything that's going to stop the glory of God from being manifest in the earth through you and through me. Wonderful Jesus. Praise your name. Let's just take a moment. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful. Hallelujah. Praise your holy name. There are a number of people here tonight. And God is starting to lift the lid. Not on sin, I'm not talking about that. On latent gifts that you've thought about, some of you for quite some time. And in some cases you thought, well... I don't know about that. There's plenty of people that can do that. Well, maybe so. But the interesting thing that I know about God is that he's made us all unique. And even though there is a gifting of the prophetic on this life, and there is a gift of prophetic on Mike's life, does that mean that Mike doesn't have to prophesy because Shona is, or Shona doesn't have to prophesy because Mike is? Not at all. They have a very different experience in God. They have a very different delivery in God. They have a very different uh, knowledge of the presence of God. I'm not saying that it's less or greater. It's different. But there are a number of people in the place, and I'm going to start picking a few out in just a few minutes, where God is going to start lifting the lid on something that is placed deep within your life, And all he wants is this. Two words. Yes. 
Now that one's quite simple, isn't it? Oh. And the other word is yes. <laughs> it sounds a bit different, doesn't it? But there's two separate questions that require the same answer. And one is, will you speak for me? Or will you do what I'm asking you to do? And the answer is? Yes. Next question. Will you trust me? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, not so many that time. <laughs> oh, shakaramu. Paul, would you come, please? Yeah. Can we move to some of the centre lot? Oh, let's get rid of some chairs because I want to make a bit of space, if that's all right. Yes, please. Therese, would you come? Thank you. Handula Bashitendo. I know I want you two up there. Both of you. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Halabashitendo Rabasando. Brevik. Come on up here. Just along here, folks. Face me. Along here. Face me. Thank you. Praise your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Would you come? Thank you, Lord. When you were prophesied over last week by Len about a, a new level that he was going to begin to unfold to you, how seriously did you take that? Very seriously. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Because the level that he's going to take you to, it's like you're going to be missing about three steps, your natural thinking. So, oh, well, no, before I do that, I've got to do this, 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 and this. That's not going to happen. You're going to go to a totally different level in the authority that you carry in the realm of the Spirit. And there are going to be things that you will begin to see and you're going to go, really? That's totally scary. And that's where the trust comes in. It really does. And this is the declaration, Lord, I trust you. <laughs> because you're going to need that. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself seeing but not able to do anything because you've seen it and you've gone, oh, no, I can't do it. I, I, that's an impossible thing. To you, yes, but to him, no. Oh. Sarah, would you come up here, please? Paul, God is placing a, a, a massive deposit of the word into your life. And it may seem as though it's small, but the revelation that's going to come from what he's placed in your life is going to be massive. And he's bringing you to a place where you will know what it is to teach the word of God in bite-sized pieces that people are going to be able to swallow even though it's going to be revelatory, that's going to bring change into their lives like never before. You're going to be able to break down the word into palatable pieces. If you tried to deliver it all at once, they'd probably burn up in a, a ball of smoke because it's just too heavy for them. But what's happening is that you're actually bringing people into a place of maturity, the maturing of the saints. And I'm talking about a five-fold teaching gift that God is beginning to place upon your life. And I want you to be ready for that. I want you to declare 
And declaration, folks, is a really important concept that we've got to get a hold of more and more. That you declare, thus saith the Lord. Not to them, to you. Self-speak. This is what you say to yourself. I'm going to receive this word. And that's where the revelation is going to start to come in greater measure into your life. Holy God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you hold hands, you two? Is that all right? Is that okay? You don't mind that? <laughs> now, I think it sucks, but I understand that you guys are going back to the States at the end of the year. We don't talk about that. You what? We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. Okay. <laughs> All right. If it happens, and it will happen, we understand that because that's part of the work that, that you're involved in. But there's something that God has placed in your lives here that you're going to take back. And in some circles that you go into, Christian circles, you're going to be recognized as having an amazing deposit in God that they don't have. That whatever church you go to, whatever place you go to, there is a, an aspect of the, the, the realm of the spirit that you will carry as a result of being here that will allow you to open lives and touch lives and to change lives purely because of the presence of the Spirit of God on your life. The Holy Spirit has been preparing you for that time. When you go back and to wherever it is, North Carolina, South Carolina, something like that. But there is something that's missing there that God is going to get you to take into that place. And there's going to be an amazing authority that you will both carry. You're ready for that. Yeah. You're ready for that. I know you are. Yeah. You're in ketchup. <laughs> but that's all right. Yes, sir. At least you're moving forward. Yes, You're in catch up. Yes, <laughs> Holy Ghost. Yeah. My friend, there is a a gift upon your life that carries it's it's twofold. One is you're a very compassionate person, but not anybody sees it, or not very many people see it. But the compassion that you're carrying is to set people free in deliverance, to set people free in, in miracles, and to set people free in healing. When you return to the States, it might not happen here, but when you return to the States, your spiritual eyes are going to be wide open. So are yours. Whoa. <laughs> wide open to see what I'm talking about right now. And you'll spend time together over a meal or whatever. So remember that little guy in Christchurch and he prophesied exactly what we're beginning to see now? We need to take this on board and to do exactly what the Spirit of God is saying to us. When you go to Mexico, when you go to Mexico in November, when you arrive there, you're another one who's going to have your eyes opened to see not just the poverty, not just the, um, the people that you're going to be ministering to, but you're going to see the deep need of the heart in each and every one that you converse with. And out of that's going to come words of knowledge that are going to open those hearts. So wherever they go from then on, there is a place of healing that they've walked into. A place of healing that you've been able to bring into their lives. And you're going to look and see what God has done and give Him glory. Thank you, Lord. Ha, ha, ha. 
You, ha you have a, a, a supernatural affinity to draw people into your circle. Not to build something for yourself, but to let them know what it is to build something around their area of influence. Some of the things that God has shown you over the period of time that you've been saved, He's beginning to consolidate during your time in this house. And He's touching something in your spirit that says, what He has shown me, I need to share. What He is showing me and doing in me, I need to show other people. I need them to see what I'm seeing. I need them to understand the level of understanding that I've been given. And those ones will not be drawn to you. They'll be drawn to the Spirit of God in you. But you begin to open your mouth and you'll begin to see change in those lives that's going to radiate into areas of influence that they carry. Okay. All right? Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> Is that good? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Oh. Holy God, praise your name. I know this lady quite well, so whatever I've got to say has got to be the Spirit of God. <laughs> Don't you think she's an amazing woman of God? Yeah. Come on now. Yes. To no small degree, this woman of God, with the help of her team, have taken this church into new realms of the Spirit and the presence of God. Particularly over the last two or three years, and I know her heart is so committed to her Lord, and it's so committed to the people of God in this place. But this is just the beginning. The other side of what I'm saying is, I know what it costs her. I know what it has cost her. But she's a willing payer. Because what she wants to see is the presence of God in this house at such a level that nobody can walk into this house without being healed, set free, delivered, totally changed by His presence that will come through praise and through worship. But Sarah, I want you to get ready because like this woman here, you're about to go to levels and it seems as though in your natural mind you need a couple of other levels first. But He wants to take you to a new height. And it's very similar to a word that I had from Len over the weekend. Come up here, Revelation 4 verse 1. I want to show you things that you've never seen before, that you know not of. And in your place of prayer, in your place of spending time in the presence of God, you're going to start writing down stuff that is just going to take the worship in this house to a totally different level. I've had the privilege of walking alongside the worship team since we arrived here six years ago, six and a half years ago. And people say, well, what do you do? Well, not a lot, really. <laughs> I've been involved in the music ministry for nearly 40 years. And I know the danger of that can happen, the things that can happen when the worship teams come under such attack. And the Lord said to me when I first came here that I was to commit my time as much as I had to guard Sarah and the worship team in prayer and just as a dad 
So I, I'll be at worship practices as often as I can. And people will go, well, what do you do? <laughs> that's what I do. And that's a real privilege. But I want to charge the rest of you to do likewise. That to stand beside these amazing ministers of the gospel who give of their time and their talent and their gifts to lead us into the presence of God. When Prophet Len was here last weekend, I was taking him out to the airport on the Monday morning. And he said to me, I love coming to this house. And he said, there are very few churches that carry what this one carries in worship, in the presence of God, in the openness of our openness to the Spirit of God. And the one thing I love about this man is as he was telling me, he began to weep. Sitting in my car, driving around the base. And it's so heartfelt that I want us all to commit from here on that we're going to make it even better. We're going to make a, a place for the Spirit of God to dwell right. even better. Right. A place for the presence of God to dwell Amen. even better. A place where we can spend time with one another without anything coming between us that's going to be even better than we've ever known before. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Glory to God. Can we have, we're just going to come and lay hands on you all. So if the, the team, you've got a te team? Fantastic. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to discharge tonight. I love this house. I love you. And I have had such a privileged time of being able to temporarily lead the house. And that's been interesting. <laughs> but it's been a real privilege. So next weekend we have Michael. We'll be preaching on the Sunday morning and the worship night on Sunday night. And then that will be our last weekend as interim leaders. So, hey, God bless you all. Let's, let's pray.